This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, that's a beautiful way to, to start today's service. And, and, you know, these times, again, that can feel so confusing. And, and how do we find beauty in the storm? How do we find beauty in the storm? A little aside is, is what we look for in life often determines not only what we see, but listen to this, but also determines what we don't see. And we take a minute to like acknowledge where our attention tends to go. We're going to spend some time on that. And then maybe try to just, just shift our locus just a little bit. Just to shift. Because, because folks, like, like this, this is the, this is the pregame speech. Like, this matters. I want to say that from the bottom of my soul. This matters. Churches we all know, or synagogues or mosques, like the best of them, it's not just a simple little time out, you know, during the week. It's, 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 a, it's both, yes, a time out, of course, in terms of, of a finding of peace, but it's also a call to action. It's also a way we collect and, and we raise our hands and we, we determine ways in which God gives us to see it in our own worlds, like what we can do to move forward because this matters. In some situations, it matters desperately. That we really do this work. Yes, knowing our personal lives need it, but knowing it as well that the world needs it. Not again us in any way, shape, or form as saviors or experts. Like perish the day, those words come off of this stage. But that we're here to join with people who are struggling from all different walks of life, from all different perspectives, trying to find this third way home. And that journey matters. It matters deeply. So where does our focus tend to go? Where do we tend to see things and what's the challenge there? I would say for, for, for me and maybe for some of you too, you know, there's this easy way we can, we can shift into to a sense of hopelessness. And I want to share with you this incredible definition of hopelessness that I just love. Hopelessness. This is how Albert Camus defined it. Where we have ceased to belong to the future. That's worthy of a screenshot right there for those of you watching at home. Where we have ceased to belong to the future. And, and, and again, like thinking those parts of your life where you're really feeling hopeless. And I, dollars to donuts, you're not seeing a brighter future from that place. Matter of fact, you're cut off from the idea that there is even such a thing as a brighter future. The arc of the moral universe. It's long, and it bends towards justice, as Martin Luther King said. In other words, like all, all these things we're trying to create, it's, 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 it's about time. It's not about immediacy. We're going to figure this all out today or tomorrow. But it's, but it's how do we sort of reconnect to a future? Because when we cease to belong to the future, that's a very hopeless feeling to have. And with that, I want you to do a little exercise here. It's a little exercise on what do you see, sort of like I spy, I spy. We're going to do two versions of I spy. 
The first, and we're going we're gonna to show a picture here in a second. We're not going to show it yet. But first, I spy is with hopelessness eyes. So let's all get a big breath. And conjure up your hopeless eyes. The hopelessness that maybe you felt this week or this month or this year, however you saw it. You know, conjure that up. I'm going to show you a picture here for five seconds. And then after five seconds, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes again and keep them closed until I tell you to reopen them. All right? So, first off, eyes of hopelessness. Close your eyes. And now open them. And what do you see? All right. Close your eyes again. Now I want you to think about your eyes that are hopeful. Like, what have you seen that gave you hope this week? What have you seen that gave you hope this week? We're going to be talking about some of those, too, later on in the service. But what have you seen that gave you hope this week? Same thing. I'm going to have a different picture, and I'm going to have you open your eyes and take a look at this new picture. Ready? Open them. Yeah, so there's some people giggling in the audience. They get it. Right? It's interesting because, right, like, like at least for me, I don't know for you, I don't know for you, maybe very different for you, but, but when I'm looking at the hopeless thing here, does anyone want to shout out, where does your eye go to when you're seeing something really hopelessly? Where does your eye go to? Somebody just shout it out in the audience. Any brave souls? You know, to, to me it goes to the big crashing wave there. And when I have a little bit more hope, it goes to the kayaker in the bottom right. Same picture, but different picture. And today we're going to look at another picture of life in a storm. Now this picture takes takes place in Matthew, one of the four Gospels, one of the four stories of the life of Jesus. And it takes place on what was called the Sea of Galilee. So if you think of a ginormous lake, you know, I mean, it would be sort of a, we might not call it a sea if it was here in North America, but we might call it one of the Great Lakes. You know, kind of see this huge sea. And this sea was known to, because of the topography to have a lot of severe storms. And the, the reason why is you had a high elevation, you know, several thousand feet above sea level. But the Sea of Galilee actually is one of the few bodies of water that is actually below sea level, interestingly. And I know from the years we lived up in the Pocono Mountains is that that when you have that kind of dramatic change, you get a lot of mixture of of cold air, hot air. I won't bore you with all the meteorological stuff I don't know anything about anyways. But essentially you end up with storms. And storms can happen very suddenly when you have that kind of topographical difference. And that's where we pick up this story here. This is from Matthew, Matthew 14, for those of you who are following along at home, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. The disciples were the 12 people who followed him. To the other side, where after he dismissed the crowd. In other words, he's letting this crowd go. They gathered. He's essentially saying, guys, you just go on across this little lake. I'll meet you later. After he dismissed them, he went up the mountainside by himself to pray. Very common sort of pattern we see with Jesus. Dressing a crowd, going off to, to get a little breath. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. 
During the fourth watch of the night, they, they each took turns watching. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him, when the disciples saw him, and this is about 3 a.m., saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Again, that command over and over again not to be afraid. Now, I want to sort of, you know, give you some, some context here. Again, this is, this, is, this is a story that takes place 3 o'clock in the morning, and this is what we know. Later that night, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, so they're way off land, buffeted by the waves. There's a lot of waves and wind, and the wind was against it. So, so that last line, the wind was against it, to me, that's, that's almost the picture of hopelessness. Now, why? Well, you think out of the 12 disciples, we know four of them were fishermen. They would have spent their life in boats. So for them to be panicked at 3 a.m. tells you something. And I think that was probably the most panicked part to them. I mean, obviously, the waves would be, be intimidating. The wind would be intimidating. But these were sailboats. These weren't power boats. So here you have home. Here you have port. Here you have this place of rest and peace and shelter. And what you have here is you have this acknowledgement that the winds were blowing you further and further away from that. Has anyone had that feeling over the past year? (laughs) It's such a beautiful, poetic line. It helps us to understand that that universal human condition where we can truly feel absolutely hopeless, like even the winds are against us. If the winds are against you, there's no way to get home if you're a sailor on the Sea of Galilee. So then Jesus comes walking on the water to them, a very famous line made famous in a lot of paintings. And, and, And what do they say? They don't say, look, it's Jesus, we're okay. What they say is this. It's a ghost. That's what their hopelessness saw. Their hopelessness saw a ghost. I think that's so true, right? Those hopeless parts of us see ghosts everywhere. Fears, worries, concerns, catastrophizing constantly. That 3 a.m. ghost. Not a lot of good, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, happens when we're awake at 3 a.m. So now I want to hear from you folks. So, So when you're feeling hopelessness, like when you're seeing that ghost, when you're seeing that picture in this hopeless way, like how do you react? You know, this question, when I am feeling truly hopeless, I dot, dot, dot. How do you feel? What do you do? What do you do when you're feeling really hopeless? And, and, and here, I'd ask you to give not the better angels of your nature reign for this exercise, but the worst angels of your nature. Like, when it's really feeling hopeless, you know, what do, what do you do? And, and, and how do you act when it's just, it's just not working? And, and again, we're talking before you find a way out of it. This is just where you're feeling stuck on that boat 3 a.m. 
So I, I'm going to step over here, folks, and, and talk about this chart. I'm going to step over, and these are great responses, and I didn't get a chance to go online to see the ones we have online, but I'm sure they're equally, equally good. So, so this hopelessness, like, uh, boy, it's, boy it's, a, it's a human condition. It's a human condition. We, we all battle it. And, and again, just remember that, that the challenge with hopelessness is that we, ceased, we cease to be connected to the future. So people, people texted a bunch of stuff, and they said, I'm this, and then I try to do this, right? Somebody said cry. Sorry, sorry for the cross out there. I had in the wrong column. So first, somebody said cry, all feared up, blame, that's good, feeling totally depleted. These two came in side by side, and I thought it was true. Feeling totally depleted, lay in bed, cover, cover myself with my blankets and cry. And, and I was thinking like, yeah, I would have been the disciple that found the smallest little place I could crawl under in the boat and pretend I was asleep through the whole storm. It was just too nerve wracking for me. Uh, someone else said, yeah, I lose sight of God. And someone else said, I feel it will never end. I feel it will never end. These are part of the human experience. Think of these as the storm. Think of these as the storm. We got the event, right? The event, this this is like, I'm not going to get the right words to this, so my apologies. The event might not be the actual storm. How we hold the event that probably is more the storm than anything else. I'm sure there's occasions where that's not true, so I want to be careful with that. But knowing that we can take something and it can, it can, we can have a certain perspective on it, and, and it, it, it means that we can clearly go here. You know, I remember when I started dating my wife. You know, I was from the Pittsburgh area. My wife was from here in Philadelphia. Philadelphia has much better thunderstorms than Pittsburgh. And I can remember when we started dating, her parents had a screened-in porch. And I used to love when big storms came through to go out on the screened-in porch. Because I'd never seen storms like this. Never. And, and yet, her family, it was, it was just a different thing. For me, it was exciting. Her family, not so much. Now, this part here is where we can start to talk about beauty in the storm where we can start to talk about the umbrella. By the way, a little aside on this umbrella, a little thank you. Uh, the person who came up with our logo, Tony Rose, uh, which for this series, which is a red umbrella and beauty in the storm. Anyways, I came to work this morning, and there in a box was this red umbrella to get ready for the series. So I thought, <laughs> wasn't that good? So, so this is what the umbrella piece can be. You know, I call someone. That's huge. The phone does not weigh 500 pounds. I pray. I choose faith over fear. I try to see it with new eyes. And again, guys, I didn't intentionally put these side by side. They weren't, they weren't um, put in together. But just look at the difference between seeing it with new eyes versus looking for someone to blame. Talk to my spouse. That's a good one. See, these, these folks here are where we, where we can start to figure out that way forward. And it's not about, like with all this stuff, folks, like what, what I like about this list is that it, 
it acknowledges that there is such a thing as hopelessness. It's not just a a, a sort of a soft syrup, like, don't feel hopeless, look how great life is. (laughs) That doesn't work. It acknowledges that we do have times where we feel hopeless. We do have times when we're in a storm. We do have times where we feel imprisoned by these things. That there are ways, even within this, for us to continue to move forward. I'm going to step back over here. Thank you, folks, by the way, for that, for that list. I, I should also put out there, midway through the service, just, just so you folks know, there's a wonderful group, Coffee and Donuts, read, run by some wonderful people out in Michigan that meets right after this. And it's a great opportunity just to sort of take what we talk about here and kind of take it to the next level. And if you're on live stream or Facebook, you can see the link right there to the Zoom meeting that will be happening after church. Again, warmly encourage you to do that, just to, just to take fellowship to the next level. Now, with this, folks, like, it's, it's interesting the way Jesus shows up here, right? Jesus shows up with these words, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. You could also, some translations have that, have heart or take heart. Courage and heart are very closely related. It's me. Don't be afraid. I think the way I would say that if we're sitting in that really hopeless place. It's God saying, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. It's interesting with this story. And again, there's a part two that shifts it. But this part one, we're looking at part one. What are the initial responses here and the beautiful lessons there? Part one is here is... Here is Jesus coming to the the, the disciples in this boat. It's his action. It's him coming to them in their hopelessness. It's him coming to them in their hopelessness. It very much echoes this beautiful line in Matthew 25. I was in prison and you came to visit me. this, This line is so beautiful. It's it's, and it's, it's really, I think, when people ask me, just yesterday I was asked, well, what's the core kind of New Church Lab? I said, read Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, it's all about where, where people are saying, like, look, I want to see God. I want to see God. Show me God. Show me God. Show me God. And God's saying, look, what happens is that you will see God. You'll see God when you do these things. I was in prison. You came to visit me. And here, here this is beautiful line where we look at this as God talking about God, but it's also God giving us a clear set of instructions. You know, that idea, that idea of the movement, of the movement to those people who are feeling imprisoned, to visit them there. It's not about rescuing per se, There'll be part of that in a part two. It's about presence. It's not about rescue. It's about presence. I think of the uh, movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You know, the idea of like, like, you know, it's, it's a jailbreak that we're all to help people break out of jail, you know, figuratively, honestly. And, and maybe sometimes that's true, but I think it all has to start with the simple idea of presence. Bringing that presence. 
when we agree to be with people in their hopelessness. Again, knowing that there are tools there. I'm going to step, just keep the light here, guys, for a second. I just want to grab this, bring this back over. I want to come back to this chart again. You know, again, knowing, knowing that there are, there are like tools, right? But this is where we'll tend to meet people. If this goes unacknowledged, unsaid, I think we'll miss. And I think Jesus is about like, yeah, these tools, and these tools will actually help us over time come to a place where we have courage, where we learn to not fear in very powerful ways. And then what do we start to see? Like when somebody can be with us in those things and, and, and gently share these tools. Gently share these tools. I mean, folks, just think about the simple one someone had there, like call, right? So gently share versus share from your own ego. Sharing from your own ego looks like somebody's feeling hopeless and you tell them, well, have you called anybody? That's not it. Sharing from the better angels of our nature looks like a gentle reminder of is there someone you could call who would help? Very different. One's probably going to be a little more helpful than the other. And what happens when, when we do that, when we, when, we, when we come to people and when we try as, as, best of our, as best as we can to follow Jesus' model, knowing sometimes we're in the boat, sometimes we're trying to follow Jesus' model to help people who are in this boat and afraid, what happens is that we bring a certain light to the storm. And it always, it always like amazes me, right? The light after storms. So different. This was literally from our garden shed. And we lost a couple of trees, but I'm taking it out to garden shed past our car and our porch looking out. And the sky just had this color. It was like this golden color. And I think, yeah, there's always this special light right after a storm. Sometimes even a rainbow. Not all the time. It seems like there's always this special light. Even last night out there walking, out there walking and seeing, and seeing the clouds, and, and just the clouds were so beautifully lit up after the storm. I mean, it was just such a reminder of beauty. Beauty. Beauty in the storm. When I see that light and when I saw those clouds last night, like how can you think anything else But Jesus' words, take courage. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. In our very real ways, we can look at this in this world where we can see beauty in the storm. 2020 is getting a pretty bad reputation these days. You know, and I I know uh, I had a wedding yesterday and the couple was concerned about, yeah, like, look, we had to change our wedding, and, and then we got all this bad weather. And I said, well, like, at least you're not getting a meteor, you know? Like, like it, it seems like a year where that would happen. And, again, we can choose to see other things in 2020 as well. Of course, seeing the part of the chart that says there are these, these elements of hopelessness. But there are also these elements of hope 
fullness. Right before church this morning, got a, uh, a note from the Hibs that uh, Joan Amber's little boy was a preemie, passed his car seat test, and he's coming home. That's him waving. Beauty in the storm. I love this picture of baseball players all supporting each other. My friends, is beauty in the storm. I love this picture of a wedding. Bryce and Cam. It was quite a wedding. Cameron's family is from New Zealand and Australia, and we managed to use some video from them as well. They decided to just go ahead and get married. Beauty in the storm. And the next slide. New addition to New Church Live. Congratulations to Ashley and Chris. Beauty in the storm. And in this great picture. Another one of the families that's joining us tonight. This is little Zari from down in Maryland. Families watching. Zari's smile reminds me. Beauty in the storm. Just imagine telling little Zari, 2020's been a pretty rough year, right? <laughs> I think she'd have a different reaction than all of us. So when we take these beautiful images, when we take these reminders that there's beauty in the storm, that yes, there are these feelings of hopelessness, and, and our job is to overcome the inertia of hopelessness and to, to do those small things which you listed, to do the small things that we can actually do, what happens is we start to see, again, to come back full circle, a different kind of light. A different kind of light on the water. And we find ourselves with that different kind of light on the water. We find ourselves somehow in this miracle, right-sized right-sized. And that right-sizing is so important. A passage from New Church Theology, before being reduced to order, it's very common for everything to fall into chaos. This allows things to separate, and when they have separated, the Lord rearranges them in their place. A beautiful line. And we get right-sized in that as we watch God do God's work. I want to say that again. We get right-sized in that as we watch God do God's work. Sister Joan Chittister had this beautiful line. When we center our power outside ourselves, it's precisely because of our smallness that we can come to see and trust the greatness of God that surrounds us. It is only then that we can really come to see the face of God in the face of others. It is precisely because of our smallness that we can come, we, 
to see and trust the greatness of God that surrounds us. It's only then we can really come to see the face of God and the face of others. I, I, I love that, that idea that, that when, we, when we really are right size, that's where we can finally start to see each other. In some way, if we're coming from our fears, our anxieties, our concerns, we're all wrong-sized. And I can't explain why, I just feel that way. That Yeah, that just, we're just wrong-sized. But somehow when we get our, our smallness, and I'm not talking our meaninglessness, folks, at all. We start to get ourselves right-sized. It gives us this incredible sense of actually, and this is a miracle, right? Power power to build, power to get that this matters. Got my bit to play. It's a small bit, and I will play it. This series started with a line I read that said, our job, as best we can, is to walk towards the storm. went on to say something I thought that was incredibly valuable as well, which is there are certain burdens that are so heavy, only humility can carry them. I know I've said that a couple times, but it's such a good line. There's some burdens so heavy, only humility can carry them. So folks, let's have a week of awareness. Awareness, of course, of that there are feelings of hopelessness. And awareness as well that in addition to that, there is beauty in the storm. That there is a God who is always saying, have courage. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Amen. We're going to close today's service now with a prayer. And then the Lord's Prayer, and then a closing song. Before doing that, just a, just a reminder, a couple of things if they interest you. One is, again, uh, feel free to join coffee and donuts right after the service, a chance to just have a conversation about what struck you with today's service, and just share fellowship with some, a really amazing group of people. The second offer is tonight at 8 p.m. on Zoom. If there's some young couples out there who are watching, and you're feeling like, boy, nobody gets how hard this is, you can join us and a bunch of other couples who get, I get how hard this is. And feel free to join us tonight. Again, you can leave me a, leave me a note either in the chat, or you can email or text me as well. So with that, friends, let's do a prayer here. So Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Thank you for this congregation, for this day, for these people. Help us, Lord, to move beyond hopelessness. Help us to move beyond this feeling we aren't attached to a future. Attach us to that future. A real future. A future filled with joy and smiles and laughter and tears, all the parts that make the human condition so worthwhile living. Thank you for your presence here today. Be with us in the week ahead. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Have a blessed week, friends. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 